Um, we're in week two of a series we're calling the, the Relationship Series. And so we just want to take the month of February and talk about relationships. So I want to get moving really, really quickly. I said something last week that I hope you heard is, uh, is that God obviously is the author of relationships. The, the, the idea, the concept of relationship came out of God. But here's what I said is that God doesn't create random things. God creates out of his character and out of his nature. And so he created relationships. And part of that reason I believe is because relationships were, were already were already in existence before the world was even created. We see the perfect picture of relationship in the Trinity. We see God, one God who, who, who shows himself in three different personalities, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so we see one, there's, there's one whole, but it's made up of individual parts. Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. But we see them, those aren't competing roles. The individuals in the Trinity aren't competing. They're complementary roles. So we see that in all of eternity. And so when God then creates man and creates human relationships, the picture or the example is the Trinity. You know, I love to look through scripture. And, and here's what I, when, when talking about unity of the Trinity, if you look through scripture, remember when Jesus is on earth and he shows up and his cousin John baptizes him and when he's getting baptized, he comes out of the water and what does God say about his son? Here's, here's the, the Jody version. He says, hey, that's my boy. So you see God say, God up in heaven saying, well, look at my son, Jesus. And then if you follow Jesus, you'll see that eventually he says, you think I'm something Wait till you meet the Holy Spirit. And then if you read of the job of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit never talks about himself. Guess who he talks about? Jesus. And then when you look at Jesus and you begin to honor Jesus, Jesus tells the people on earth, he said, well, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So if you like me, you really like the Father. So you see this, you see the, the Godhead giving each other credit and in these complementary roles, well, that's how God designed families to work. When he created us, the family, he created the family as a whole, but the whole is made up by individual parts. And these individual parts are different. The man is different from the woman, but they aren't competing roles. They're complementary roles. Remember that when God created Eve, he created her to be compatible or to be a helper that was meet or compatible for him. So he creates the wife not to compete with the husband, but to compliment him. Husband, Valentine's Day or tomorrow. So this would be a great opportunity to whisper in your wife's ear, you compliment me so well. You might want to do that right now. I mean, like seriously. <laughs> so we see that this is the design of the family. It, it's, it's meant to mirror the, the relationship in the Trinity. And I just want you to know that, that first of all, family is so powerful. I don't care who your presidential candidate is or who your govern, uh, you know, govern, gubernatorial candidate is or Senate candidate. Can I tell you this? Government will never fix a society. Families are the key to a healthy society. <laughs> Families are God's plan. 
And so church, our families need to be strong. Our society can be fixed when we decide to do family God's way. And so we see these complementary roles within the family. I just, men, I want to say to you, thank you. You, you add so much to families. Men, you, you have an honorable, necessary role in our families. I mean, men just bring something to the party. When we show up, we just bring something with us because God has put innate qualities in us. Wives, am I, am I speaking the truth here? Daughters, am I speaking the truth? The men just bring something. We, the men bring security and, and protection. and I mean, they just bring something to the family. So men, congratulations. Thank you for what you contribute to the family. If we're going to have healthy families, we need healthy men. And then I say to you, ladies, you bring such, you bring, you bring so much to the family. And again, you didn't do, you didn't design yourself. God created you with certain giftings and you, you bring such a, uh, such a, a, a touch and a caring into our families. You know, men, we're really good at noticing danger from the outside, like anything coming into our, into the family that may harm the family. We men are really good at looking out there for danger, but you know what women are really good at? They're good at sensing danger from within. They've like got their finger on somehow they've, they've managed to put the finger on the pulse of the entire family. Like little Johnny's not acting right. There's something, something's going on over here, right? And so these roles complement so well. And so that's how God designed it though. The whole is made up of individual parts that are different and distinct, but they, they bring such value to the family. You know, this was my daughter-in-law who did our opening. Um, Caitlin was, was doing our opening this morning. As, as she was up here, I was thinking, you know, I remember when she started dating my oldest son, Garrett, and you know, then they, they get engaged and and, uh, and as I'm getting to know her and she's getting closer to our, to our family, I realized how easily I connected with her. I mean, she and I just formed a, 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 a healthy father-in-law. I think it's healthy. You may want to talk to her after. But <laughs> healthy father-in-law, daughter-in-law relationship so quickly. But I've been in the game long enough when I, when I felt the ease of it, I said, I can diagnose what has happened here. This woman had a godly dad in her life. And I just want to thank Timmy Blanchard for setting me up to have, I mean, it's just plug and play. Father-in-law, daughter-in-law relationship because of what he can, you see how healthy families work? I mean, we, it just, it just works. And so the, the family is a picture of the Trinity. The, the whole is healthy because the individual pieces are different, but healthy. And I actually find one other institution in the Bible that kind of follows that same role, same, same concept other than the family, and it's the church. The church, one, but it's made up by a bunch of different people, all differing, bringing different things to the table, but together we are one. And can I tell you, not only does our society need healthy families, we need healthy churches, Right? But it follows that same pattern. The whole is healthy because the individual parts are healthy and offering, contributing what they, what they bring to the equation. So because of this, 
I think because the, the, the family and the church are such powerful examples of the unity in the Trinity that the enemy, and we know there is an enemy, right? The devil said, if I want to affect this thing, what do I need to do? If I'm going to affect the whole, how, how can I affect this thing? And I believe the plan that the enemy has taken is that if I want to affect the whole, I need to affect the individual. So if I want to affect the family, if I can get the, the dad out of whack, if I could get the man out of whack, or if I could get the wife out of whack to affect the church, if I could find individuals to impact and to twist within So, so th- I want you to think about the power of the individual, even though we're talking about the whole, whether it's the whole family or the whole church. And what I want to do this morning is I want to talk to you about your individual health, your personal health where relationships are concerned. Because if, if I am not healthy, my family's not healthy. And if the enemy can get me unhealthy, then he can then bring it into my family. So I want to say this to you as kind of an opening statement of where I'm going this morning is that the number, the the series is on relationships. We're talking about relationships and not just romantic relationships. This is relationships with your neighbors and with your children and with your coworkers, relationships in general. But here's the statement I want to make. The number one thing that you and I can bring into a relationship is a healthy me. If there's a healthy me, Listen, if there's a healthy me, there's at least a 50% chance that we're going to have to, we're going to have a healthy relationship. Now the other 50 is you. So you get your stuff straight. I get my stuff straight, right? So this morning I want to talk about where relationships are concerned, the importance of individuals being healthy so that our relationships can be healthy. So uh, I want to begin in this way. I want to kind of give you a diagnosis, give you a diagnostic test to help you decide, to help you know if maybe there's the possibility that there's some, there's some uh, unhealthy patterns or or things operating in your life. I I want to just show you some of the indicators that happen in relationships around us that we know that I may not be healthy in this situation. First of all, there's this, you know, I've known people who all of their relationships are marked by drama. Now, it literally took me weeks to figure out who Karen was on the internet. I kept looking going, who is this Karen woman? And why is the whole world talking about Karen? Are there any Karens in the house? You know, there's some people that, that their life is marked by drama. Yeah. I've known entire families who their families were just marked by drama. I mean, there was, at any time, there were two siblings feuding. Or there was, you know, aunts and uncles or what, just, just families marked by drama. If, if every relationship you're in is filled with drama, there may be a problem in you. Another symptom that may be there is if you're easily offended. 
You know, these people who are, and this especially shows up in the church world. You can, you can track people like they left that church because they were offended and they just went down 90, offended, offended. And now they're out here. Now they're out here on the west side. They got to go all the way to Edgerly before they find another church. Offended, offended, offended. So if you, if you can look back and you can see that the person after person after person offended me, it's probably not the person's fault. It may be a, an indicator that there's something unhealthy in you. How about this? Broken relationship after broken relationship after broken relationship. You just look back and you, you keep a friend for a month or two and then that relationship was broken. You, you liked your neighbor, now you're feuding with your neighbor. Just broken relationship after broken relationship. How about this? Multiple toxic or abusive relationships. If you find yourself, you're just always in a toxic relationship. There may be a deficiency in you. If you tend to be codependent, if you just need, you're, you're always reaching for somebody in a codependent way, there may be a deficiency in you. Do you find that you don't have good boundaries in relationships? You're such a people pleaser that you let people just invade too far into your life. There may be some unhealthy tendencies in you. Do you have, here, here's one thing I want to be careful with. Problem with your children, with who your children are. Now we all know that, that children have their own free will, Right? But if you can look back and every one of your 18 children are now, you don't talk to each other, you're mad at each other, they're rebellious or they're defiant or they're, what, or they're entitled. So if you can look back and just see there's problems with all your children, the problem might not be in your children, it might be in you. Okay? A couple of other ones. Um, do you always have to be in control? If you're a person who has to be in control in every relationship, there might be a deficiency in you. So what I'm saying is, you know, when, 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 we're, when we have relationship problems, often what we do is we tend to point our finger at the people with whom we're in a relationship where the problem might not be them, the problem might be us. And so this morning, I want to talk about our individual health. So if through that list, you may say, you know what, maybe I am not in optimum health to have good relationships. What can I do, Pastor Jody? I'm glad you asked because I'm going to give you an answer. Turn with me in the book of Genesis, the 25th chapter. I want to read a scripture to you. We're in this scripture, in this scripture, I'm going to introduce you to a young man named Isaac. Isaac, who is the, uh, the son of Abraham. So this is Father Abraham's son, Isaac. Genesis 25, beginning in verse 19. Here's what it says. This is the account of the family of Isaac, the son of Abraham. When Isaac was 40 years old, he married Rebekah, the daughter of Bethuel, the Armenian from somewhere, and the sister of Laban, the Armenian. And Isaac pleaded with the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was unable to have children. His wife's name was Rebekah and she was barren. It says, the Lord answered Isaac's prayer and Rebekah became pregnant with twins. There's a couple of you in the room say, I've been there. <laughs> but the two children struggled with each other in her womb. So she went to the Lord to ask about it. 
why is this happening to me? She asked. If you have had twins in your womb, you have probably asked the same question. We see Isaac though, he prays for his wife and his wife becomes pregnant and, and, uh, and, and she realizes that she has twins. And, and of course we know that those twins are Jacob and his brother Esau. It says, even when they were in their womb, there was a fight in her. They were struggling within her. And then when she did give birth, Jacob came out holding his, his brother's heel. So Esau was the older brother, but Jacob was like, oh, no, you don't. So we see that in them. Here's why I want to bring you to the scripture is because on the inside of Rebecca, there was a struggle, a struggle. And, and the reason I want to point that out is because I want to say this with you. For every one of us in this room, we are going to leave behind a legacy of relationships. Relationships are going to come out of us. Relationships with our children, with our neighbors, with our spouse, whatever it is, you and I are going to leave a legacy of relationships. But there is a struggle on the inside of us. Are these going to be healthy relationships? Are we going to do relationships God's way and produce? As I was praying for these little ones as we were dedicating them, I believe one of the greatest things we can pray for our children is generations of faith and healthy relationships coming out of them. So we see, though, that there was a struggle between, if you continue reading in, in this passage, you'll see that there was two nations on the inside of her, is what the Bible said, that these, two, these, these twins represented two nations that would be in conflict. And I, I just want to say to you that there's always this conflict of, are we going to raise, are we going to raise godly generations? Are we going to do this in an unhealthy way, something that isn't productive or something that honors the kingdom of God? And I hope there's a determination on the inside of us that I'm going to leave godly relationships behind me. I'm going to leave a legacy of God honoring relationships behind me. But I believe this, this passage points out the contention, the struggle in our efforts as humans to manage these relationships. But through this, there was this young man named Jacob born. And I'm just going to move really, really quickly because I got to cover a lot of ground. But, but we see that this man named Jacob was born. Now, now the very word, the name Jacob means surplanter, which I don't know that that means, even that definition means a lot to us in English. But let me just say this. Another word for it would be trickster. So he was named trickster. And part of it was because he was holding on to his brother's heel. On the way in, there was relational difficulty. Even when he was, when he was coming out, Jacob was there. And there was, there was, there was, there was struggle with him. And then if you, if you figure out, well, why would they name him this? And why would he have such relational issues in his life? Well, I believe you can track it back to his heritage. It's always the parent's fault. Because, you know, Jacob here, if you look back at his grandfather, Abraham, you know, Abraham, the, the father Abraham, the one who had the covenant with God, you see that at the very beginning in Genesis chapter 12, when, when God tells Abraham, hey, leave your family and I want you to go to this land I'm going to send you to, the very first command that God gave Abraham, he disobeyed. Because he told him, leave your family, but Abraham didn't leave his family. He brought Lot with him. Because I, I believe there were some codependency, some strange family relationships in, in Abraham's personal health. And he held on and he brought Lot, Lot with him when God told him not to. 
So the first step out the gate, Abraham shows some dysfunction in his relationships. And then if you read through the rest of his life twice, because of fear of other people, he lied and said that his wife was his sister. Relational issues. And then they have, Abraham and Sarah have a son, right? And so their son is Isaac. If you look at Isaac's life, you'll see that Isaac did the same thing and he lied in fear of other people. He lied and said that his wife was his sister. Relational issues in Abraham, relational issues in Isaac. Then even, even Jacob's mother, I mean, she was a master manipulator. She was there. She's the one who encouraged him to deceive his father. So what we see is uh, in front of Jacob was, was generational dysfunctional relationships. And then here he comes born into that, carrying that very same nature. And that nature caused problems for him. It caused problems with his dad because he deceived his dad. It caused problems with his father-in-law because his father-in-law was a bigger trickster than he was, right? And then it caused problems with his wives. He didn't want two wives. He wanted one wife, but his trickster father-in-law tricked him into having two wives. And then his two wives were fighting. You think you have drama at your house. This dude had drama all the way through, right? And so it just set him up for, for all this drama. And so I'm, I believe, you know, if you, if you look at his life, you see that, that he had got the blessing from his father. He had some good things going in his life, but those relational problems were all, those relationships were always causing problems for him. And he spent the majority of his adult life running from his brother, He's running from his brother. He's made a mess of relationships in his life. Something that God had designed to be a blessing for him wasn't a blessing. It was a mess. He just found that relationship after relationship became a source of pain to him. And so that, there's that personal struggle. I believe that relates to you and I because there's some of us here in this room who said, you know, my life has been marked with dysfunctional grandparents and dysfunctional parents and dysfunctional aunts and uncles and, and every relationship around me. I can't keep friends. I, you know, I go to the baseball field and I get in conflict with the umpires and the other, the other parents and, and it's just conflict, drama. There's always relationships are a problem for me. They're not a blessing. I believe there's those of us here today who face that. Well, what is the answer then? Well, I want to show you the answer and I'm just going to walk you through it real quick. It's found in Genesis chapter 32. We'll see that if you, if you begin reading in Genesis chapter 32, you'll find that Jacob is kind of, he's kind of in the middle of his latest relationship drama his, his brother Esau is pursuing him. His brother Esau's mad at him and he's chasing him down. And so Jacob and all his family, they're running from their latest relationship drama. And the Bible says that, that at night, it's in the middle of the night and Jacob's family is there and his brother's, his brother's pursuing him. No peace, no rest, no, none of that. Everything in upheaval because of these relational issues. And at night, he wakes his family up in the middle of the night. And I believe his wife was probably like, one more time. One more time, this relational drama is all up in our world, right? 
So he gets them, he loads up the family and said, let's go. And they head out. And I love this passage. This is um, in Genesis chapter 32, beginning in about, in about verse 22. Here's what it says. He's got his caravan with him. Now, please follow me. Dial into what I'm about to say, because this is the meat of what I want to say to you. In the middle of the night, he wakes his family up. And um, they, they begin traveling. And they come, they come to a river called Jabuk. River of Jabuk. And it says that he brings his, his whole clan, you know, they're all traveling together, and they come to this river, and he sends his family and all of his possessions, he sends them across this river, and he stays there alone. You got this picture in your mind? Everything he has, his family, all his possessions, it goes over the river, and he's left there alone. Now, here's what you need to know. The word Jabuk means emptied. And I believe what this is a picture of is he had spent his entire life running from relationship drama. His life was marked by marred relationship after marred relationship, failed relationship. And finally, he's at a place where he's emptied and he's alone. And then in a way that only the Bible can do, the Bible throws in this little scripture that happens so fast. It says, and in the middle of the night, he wrestled with a man. And you're like, now listen, it would take a lot of me describing and backing things up. It wasn't a man, it was God he was wrestling with. And the Bible says that he wrestled all night with God or with this man. And daylight was coming and God even said to him, hey, you got to let me go. But I believe what was happening there was that he was so tired of running, so tired of the dysfunctional relationship. He was emptied and he was desperate. And in that moment, he's wrestling with God. And I don't think he was wrestling with God for Esau or wrestling with God for that relationship or that I think he was wrestling with God for who he was. He's tired of pointing the fingers and blaming everybody else. And church, if we're not careful, we'll look at the relationships we have trouble with and blame the part. It's that person. It's, it's, it's my business partner's fault. It's my ex-wife's fault. It's my, I don't think in that moment he was worried about anybody but himself. You know why I know that? Because if you continue reading, you'll find that after this whole scene happened, he, he named the place. He, he named the place where he wrestled with God and he named it Pinaul. And that word means the face of God. And so it's like he's empty, he's alone, but he finally faces God and says, okay, God, me and you, let's do some business. And he wrestled with God, but he wrestled in desperation some of you, some of you, if you're, if, if you're tired of dysfunctional relationships and if you're determined not to pass on dysfunctional, a legacy of dysfunctional relationships, you may need to face God and start wrestling. And he told God, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. 
I'm not going to, a determination, a desperation. He's alone, he's emptied, he's facing God and he's wrestling church. I'm giving you the key to change your direction. He's alone, he's emptied, he's facing God and he's wrestling. The Bible says that the man touched the hollow of his hip because he was so determined, wouldn't let go. He touched his hip and his hip came out of joint. But apparently that didn't even stop Jacob from wrestling. He continued the wrestling match. And then the man, or God says to him, tell me what your name is. Isn't that weird? In the middle of a wrestling match, you got him in a rear naked choke. <laughs> By the way, what's your name? And Jacob said, my, my name's Jacob. My name is Trickster. My, my name is the surplanter. My name is manipulator. My name is controller. My name is codependent. My name is lack of boundaries. My name is Karen. <laughs> right? But he says, you know what? He says, from here on out, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna change your name. Yeah. And you're not gonna be Karen anymore. Yeah. You know what? His new name was Israel. You know what? Uh, you know what Israel means? It means God wins. It means God prevails. And so it's like, you got this picture with me? This empty, frustrated, but, but determined. I'm tired of being a Karen. I'm tired of relationships being unhealthy. I'm tired of a string of broken relationships and I'm tired of blaming anybody else. God, I'm ready to face you. Say, Lord, deal with my issues. Make me healthy. Make me a healthy part of these relationships. And in those moments, God changed his identity. He changed his identity. You're no longer that. You're something different. <laughs> and your name now is God prevails. Like he was like, okay, God, you win. And then what we find though is after the wrestling match, he gets up and he starts walking. And what he figures out as he starts walking is that his walk has changed. Yeah. Don't miss this. Emptied, alone, desperate, facing God, wrestling, determined, new identity, new walk. Yeah. So I want to say to you, if you want to have healthy relationships, and I believe all of us should want that, we need to begin to look inward saying, God, what do you need to do in me? How can you change in me? I'm tired of blaming everybody else. Would you go to work in me? Would you stand up with me, please, here in this room?